John Cannon and the Congregation of Victory Church welcome you to this message from the Word of God. It is our heartfelt desire to see you grow closer to the Lord and to help you become all that He has created you to be. Our prayer is that through this ministry you would come to know Him in a greater way and that these teachings from Scripture would better equip you to fulfill His plan in your life. Now, let's join Pastor John as we study the Word together. different direction. I had sermon notes ready. Uh, I finalized my message about middle of the week. I tweaked it a little bit. Uh, I went and pulled a video to go along with it. And uh, late last night, I just felt like I needed a shift. Uh, matter of fact, that one may be what I preach next Sunday. I'm not real sure. <laughs> the Lord's able to change that as well. So at the last moment, I just felt like God laid this. I want us to, I want us to to gather around the table. I mean, when you think about, this is Palm Sunday, right? This is that triumphal entry of Jesus. Uh, he knows that he's getting ready to give his life for mankind, for all of us, so that we can be saved. He's going to carry out this amazing plan of salvation. And of course, those around him thought he was going into Jerusalem to overthrow throw Jerusalem and sit on the throne there. And be the king there. And what a surprise they were in for. Although he had tried to prepare them. I'm getting a little feedback or ringing in maybe these monitors. Uh, he had tried to prepare them for, for that event and, and they just missed it. So as you think about this week, this is the Passion Week. This is Holy Week. This is the triumphal entry through this coming Thursday, of course, is, is kind of the day we signify for the... For the crucifixion taking place and then the resurrection we're going to celebrate next, uh, next Sunday on Easter Sunday morning. I mean, I want you to reflect. And so I thought what, what, one of the best ways to do that is to gather around the communion table together as, as God's people and realize what it is that the Lord has done for us and what this week really is all about. I call this the Super Bowl of Christianity. I mean, we're bumping in. To the, to the nucleus or the core of everything that we believe in. Every principle that we build our life upon as a believer in Jesus Christ. The, the nucleus of that is this event. Right? It's Calvary. It's the cross. It's the death of Jesus. It's the blood that was shed. It's the resurrection out of the tomb. It's the ascension to the Father. I mean, all of that is part of the wonderful, redeeming plan of God to redeem mankind. You see, man's effort is called religious. Being a religious person is when you're putting forth every effort you can to get to God. Well, that's not what God wants us to be. He wants us to have a redeeming relationship with Him. And that's called salvation. And that's where God reached down to man through His Son, Jesus, and the cross, and the death, and the burial, and the resurrection, so that we can have a relationship with Him. None of us are worthy whatsoever to be able to merit heaven or make heaven our home or the goodness of God in our life. Every single one of us, last week I talked about entitlement a little bit, and we're, every single one of us really are entitled to hell. None of us deserve the righteousness and the blessings that, that God gives us. But because of God's Son and that love that Tyler was talking about, because He loves us so much, 
He died on the cross. And, and Isaiah 53 says that all of our sins, it pleased God the Father to lay on Him, Jesus, the iniquity or the sins of us all. Why did it please Him? Because He was carrying out this amazing, wonderful plan of salvation. So I, I really can't even, as, as I start unpacking this, this plan of salvation that, and scripture even says that all of this was put in motion before the foundations of the earth, before the world was even created. All of this was planned out. This wasn't an uh oh or oh my goodness, what am I going to do now moment for God. This is what had been planned out from the very beginning, how God would redeem mankind. And so whenever I think about that and I think about this week, it just changes the way I think. It kind of changes my whole perspective in life. And it's very humbling when you really get a hold of what God has done for us and what Jesus has done for us. It's extremely humbling, to say the least. So I thought the best way to do that would be to gather around the table and worship around communion together as we go into this week and as we celebrate. Now, we're going to come back next Sunday. Sunday's a celebration. It's the resurrection, right? But I want you to kind of get in the right frame of mind of what it's all about. Now, we talk about a lot of different topics around here. And in my sermon series, I try to, uh, to, to bring out biblical principles that help you in different stages of your life. But there is nothing more important than the gospel message of Jesus Christ. That's the nucleus. That's the hub. Everything that we believe on is founded in this principle. Okay? So I want you to see how important this week really is. I mean, it is the Super Bowl of Christianity, right? I mean, it is everything that we believe on is founded around around this gospel. With that being said, I want you to turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 11. I'll try to be brief as I share a few things here about the, uh, the communion table, about the Lord's Supper, about what it is when we gather together. So 1 Corinthians 11, I want you to look in verse number 23. And I think I have scripture for this, Charlie. 1 Corinthians 11 and verse number 23. The scripture says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread and he gave thanks and broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then in verse 25, And in the same way he also took the cup and after supper said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy way may be guilty of sin against the body and blood of the Lord. So, verse 28 is very important. Therefore, so a man should examine himself. And in this way, he should eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Father, we just pray that you speak to our hearts today. As we celebrate you on this Palm Sunday and the wonderful redeeming plan of salvation that took place this week. We pause and we reflect and we thank you for that. Lord, my prayer is for each one that's in attendance here today in victory. My heart's desire is that every single one of us are in a right relationship, that we're in a right position with you as our Heavenly Father. Lord, I pray today if there's one here that does not know you as their Lord and their Savior, that today would be the day of salvation. Today would be the day that they would surrender their life to you and live 
out their life for you, that you would become their Lord and their Savior. And we ask you to bless the reading of your word as we unpack it briefly. I just pray you speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Here at Victory Church, we practice communion really typically every fifth Sunday. And you guys know we have the celebration Sunday where we gather back in on Sunday evenings. And, uh, but then periodically we move it to a Sunday morning service. I enjoy it probably even more on Sunday morning because there's more people in attendance. And it does my heart good as a pastor to know that you've had the opportunity and you've had the, the privilege and the blessing to be able to partake of communion together. But a lot of folks ask, why is it that we do this? Some folks may say, is, is, do we do this because of some vain tradition that's been passed down through generations after generation and churches after churches? Do we do it because of some type of vain tradition? Others may ask, well, do we do this because of some significant practice? Maybe it's just a very religious thing that we should do and it's just something we do as a church family. There was a recent survey that was taken and it showed that most Christians aren't quite sure. Now think about that. Most Christians aren't quite sure why we partake of communion and why we gather together with the Lord's Supper. So therefore, with that being in, in mind and knowing that there's a lot of folks that really struggle with what it is we really do, I want to take just a moment to try to give you some facts concerning communion. Now, sorry, I don't have sermon notes for you, so uh, I, just, I, I, I put away the sermon that I was going to do for this Sunday. So uh, you're going to have to jot some of these down in your mind or maybe on a scratch piece of paper or in your tablet or something. But let me give you about five things that I want you to unpack with you to show you what communion really is. First thing I want you to see, that whenever we gather together with communion, it's an act of obedience. And it's an act of submission. Everybody say obedience. That's very crucial. That's very a very important element in the Christian life is that we are obedient and that we live a life in submission to the Lord. The Apostle Paul is telling the believers at Corinth in 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 23, he says, For what I receive from the Lord, I also pass on to you. Now this was the command that, that, that Paul had received from the Lord. He's passing it on to them what we are to be doing. You see, obedience is paramount in your relationship with Christ. I mean, if you're going to grow closer in your relationship with the Lord, then we have to be individuals that are obedient to God. You see, there's going to be different areas in your life where the Holy Spirit's going to come along as you read Scripture and as you pray and as you live out your Christian life and as you come through different circumstances. Oftentimes, the Holy Spirit will come to you and say, you know what, in this particular area of your life, I want you to do this. And now it's up to us. What are we going to do with what the Holy Spirit just convicted us and is leading us to do? Are we going to live in obedience and in submission to the conviction of the Holy Spirit that fingers around in our heart? You guys experience that from time to time? Have you had those times when you're reading Scripture and all of a sudden you have an aha moment and you get a thump in the head and maybe in the heart and you're like, oh, <laughs> right? You ever had that? You know what that's called? That's called conviction. Don't ignore that. Don't push that under the rug. Don't act like that never happened. Because that's how really God communicates. You know, I don't, I don't know that I've ever heard the audible voice of God. 
But I have had the leading of the Holy Spirit in my life. And it's usually a gentle nudge. As I'm reading, as I'm praying, as I'm studying, as I'm going through life, as I'm in a circumstance, I can be just driving down the road and all of a sudden a thought just overwhelms me. Be careful not to dismiss that. Because that oftentimes is the Holy Spirit leading us. So whenever that happens, what we need to be is obedient. We need to live a life of obedience and submission. I have a scripture reference there, 1 Samuel chapter 15. I don't know if you've read that story lately. But it's a great story about obedience or worship. And let me unpack it real quick. I, I don't have time to really delve into it deeply. But in 1 Samuel chapter 15, you'll find where God told King Saul and prophet Samuel that King Saul was to go and kill the Amalekites. All of them. Destroy everything. Saul goes out. And he does about 95% of what God told him to do. He brought back King Agag, which was the king. He kept him alive and brought him back. But also he kept the best of the sheep and of the cattle. And he came back and he was disobedient to God. God got a hold of the prophet Samuel. And he said, I'm grieving in my spirit that I even placed Saul in as king. He was completely disobedient. So Saul, or Samuel, goes to Saul. And he says, where are you? And he wasn't where he was supposed to be. He went down and he had created a, a place to worship, a memorial, if you will. And he was going to worship God for what he had done. And Samuel says, what did you do? And he said, oh, I carried out the command of the Lord. He said, what is that I hear? I hear sheep and I hear cattle. And of course, King Saul did what a lot of us do. It's always somebody else's fault, right? He said, oh, the troops. I gave them the command to kill everything, but the troops went in and they brought out the best of the cattle and the best of the sheep and the best of the other animals. And, 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 and Prophet Samuel said, stop. And he went on to say this in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse number 22. He says, does the Lord take pleasure in burnt offerings and sacrifice as much as in obeying the Lord? And he says, look, to obey is better than sacrifice. Now guys, we come in here to worship. Put that on the screen, Charlie. Obey better than sacrifice. We come in here to worship together, right? We come in here and we fellowship together and that's great. We gather in here and worship and that's amazing. But you know what God desires from you more than anything? Your obedience. He wants you to be obedient to him. Matter of fact, it says that day that Saul or Samuel departed and he left King Saul and they never spoke again. They never interacted again. Saul lost the blessing because he was disobedient. And I don't want you to lose the blessing. So what we do whenever we gather around the table, it's an act of obedience and it's an act of submission unto the Lord. The second thing, whenever we gather around the table, it's a commemoration. What is it that we are commemorating? 
Look, if you will, in 1 Corinthians verse, or chapter 11, verse 24, it said this, talking about the bread is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he also took the cup. And after supper, he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Up till this time, when Jesus had the Lord's Supper with his disciples, up to this time, it commemorated what took place back in Exodus chapter number 12. The Passover. You remember the story? When the death angel came and there had to be blood on the door and the lint on the post. And, and if, if, the pass, if the death angel saw the blood, he would pass over them. And, and they were com- to commemorate that all the days of their life. Remember how because the blood was on the door, the firstborn was not slain or killed. And so that's what they commemorated up until this particular moment. Now, whenever we gather around the table... We don't do this to commemorate what took place back in Egypt, back in Exodus chapter number 12. What we commemorate is what took place on the cross. When the Lamb, the perfect sinless Lamb of God, was slain for all of our sin. And because the blood has been applied to our life, we are redeemed, we are set free, we can make heaven our home, we are saved, none of us deserve it. But it's the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, that cleanses us from all sin. Can I get amen? Amen. Right? People say, well, I don't know that I really like all this bloody religion. You call it what you want. But without the shedding of blood, there is no redemption, remission of sin. Are you with me? So now what we are commemorating is the death of Christ. That's what we're talking about taking place this week. That's one of the things that we are remembering. Third fact I want you to get, whenever we observe communion, it is an act of proclamation. We are proclaiming something. Whenever we gather together as a church family and we take communion, there's something we are proclaiming. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. You know what the proclamation is that we are proclaiming when we collectively gather together to partake in communion? Two words on the screen. We believe. Amen? Say that. We believe. What is it we believe? We believe that Jesus is the sinless Son of God. We believe that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. We believe that all of our sins was placed on Jesus Christ and it pleased God the Father. We believe Jesus died to fulfill the scripture, was buried, and rose again. We believe that not only did he rise again out of the grave, that he walked around there, was seen of hundreds of people, then ascended unto the Father. We believe that. We believe also that Jesus is coming again. This thing called salvation in Jesus Christ is real, my friends. It's something we proclaim that we believe in. Amen? I believe in it. If you don't believe in it, I don't even know why you're here. Right? If we don't believe in it, let's lock up the doors of the church. Let's sell this place to the VFW and let them do whatever they want to do. But friends, I believe. That Jesus is the Son of God. I believe that He came and died on that cross just for me. I believe that I am redeemed, not because of any good thing that I have done. I am redeemed because of the blood of Jesus Christ. God's Son has cleansed me. I'm a brand new man in Christ Jesus. I'm clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. 
Not John Cannon. There's no act, there's no religion, there's no deed that you can do that is good enough to merit salvation. Amen? Guys, we need to get a hold of that. Are you with me? We're proclaiming something. When we gather around communion, we're proclaiming that we believe. Whoa, that's good stuff. Number four, anticipation. I've already bumped into this one. There's also an act of anticipation for as often as you drink the bread or drink or eat the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he come. Therefore, whoever eats the bread, drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy way, may be guilty of sin. So we're, we're proclaiming that he is coming again. We're anticipating the return of the Lord. Acts 11 is a great or Acts 11 is a great verse of scripture. You know what? This is the ascension. This is when Jesus is going back to God, the father. And the angel looks at those guys that are standing there just gazing up into heaven and they're just, they're just struck in awe and, and he said, hey, why are you standing here gazing? This, he says these words, this same Jesus that was taken up from you shall come again in like manner. You see, I'm anticipating the return of Christ. I'm anticipating the rapture of the church. I'm anticipating the return of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You see, when Jesus came the first time, he was the suffering servant. When he comes the next time, he is the conquering king. Amen? And I'm anticipating the return of Christ. And John 14 and verse number 1 says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's, mansion, or my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there you may be also. I love that. The disciple looked up to him and said, Lord, how do we know where you're going? How do we know what you're doing? He said, I am the way, the truth, the life, John 14, 6. No man comes to the Father but by me. I'm anticipating the return of the Lord. I'm anticipating. You know, I look around our world today and I see all that's taking place in Russia. I see all that's taking place in China. I see all that's taking place in North Korea. I see all that's taking place in America today. And there's some people that that may create fear in their heart. It, incre- it, it creates an, an, a spirit of anticipation in my heart. When I see the pieces all coming into alignment. And friends, we are, we are there. When you look at what's taking place with Russia. And you look at what's taking place with China. And you look at what's taking place even in America today. We are there. I get excited about that. I don't live in worry or fear or fret about that. To me, that's exciting because it's God fulfilling his word. And you can see the anticipation is that he's coming. He's preparing things. Now, it could be next week. It could be, it could be in the next 10 minutes. It could be in the next second. Right? But it may be 10 years. It may be 100 years. I don't know when he's coming. No man knows the day or the hour. But we can tell the season. Friends, we're in that season. Amen? So whenever we gather together, we are anticipating. Let me give you the fifth one. I'm done. There needs to be this act of examination that takes place. Whenever we gather together to take communion, we're doing all these other things. But probably the most important is that we examine ourselves. Now, don't examine your neighbor. And wives, don't examine your husband right here. Okay? Or vice versa. Don't look back and examine someone else. You just got to look in your own heart and examine yourself. 
is everything well between you and the Lord? My final conclusion is this. Communion is a very precious practice that's reserved for those who accept the life that has been made available through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son. Let me say this. You don't take communion to be saved. Do you hear me, guys? You don't take communion to be saved. You take communion because you're already saved. Amen? I don't want anyone to be misled. You can come up here and you can eat every piece of unleavened bread that we have on these plates. And you can drink every cup of juice that we have in these containers. And you can be baptized. So back in North Carolina, I used to say, do you know every tadpole by name? We baptize in the creeks. Point is, none of that stuff will get you to heaven. Are you with me? What we do here, it's really set in place for those who believe. For those who have been redeemed. We're remembering that Jesus... His body was broken for our sins. We are remembering the cup that we take. It's symbolic of the blood of Jesus that was shed for our sins. And we worship around the table with a heart of thanksgiving. Thanking God for this wonderful, amazing plan of salvation. So I thought this would be a great way for us to go into this Easter week. This holy week. To just reflect and to remember what it is that Jesus has done for us. I'm going to ask our guys to come and we will prepare the table. I will have prayer with you. But before we do, while they're coming, why don't you bow your head and close your eyes. You see, I remember as a 12-year-old boy, it was one day before my 13th birthday. I was at church on a Sunday evening. Our youth pastor was leading us in communion. And he said something like this. I'm not going to ask you to do this. But he said, those of you guys in our youth group that had accepted Christ as your Savior, I want you to come to the front of the church and start filling up the pews from the front back. And there were well over a couple hundred of us in youth. And so they got up one by one. My buddies got up around me and started going to the front. I sat there. One day before my 13th birthday, I saw myself that day separated from God. Because I had been religious. I had been sent to church since I was old enough to walk. I had been in all the Sunday school class. I was in the youth choir. We went on a mission trip to New York City in New Jersey. And did outdoor vacation Bible schools there. And our youth choir would sing in the malls and other areas as an outreach evangelistic tool. We did all kinds of things. Mission trips. I went on all those. But I realized that day that I had never repented of my sins and fully trust in Jesus Christ as my Savior. He gave an invitation. I went forward and knelt down. The pastor's son, Mark Folk, came up beside me and he said, John, why are you around this altar? And I said, I need to be saved. I have never repented of my sins 
and ask Christ in my heart. He led me through the Romans road. He laid the Bible out in front of me. He showed me scripture. He prayed with me. He said, according to God's word, you are saved. Man, I knew it. He said, would you like to have communion? I said, yes. So he led me over and he administered communion. First time I took it at that point. So I'm not going to ask you to come forward. But I'm going to ask you right now in your heart. Will you kneel, figuratively speaking, will you kneel right now in your heart and in your spirit? Will you surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ? Will you know and understand there's no good thing you can do to merit heaven? Will you believe, as we believe, that Jesus is the sinless Son of God? That He came to die on the cross for your sins and my sins and the sins of the whole world? That He died and was buried and He rose again victoriously on that first Easter Sunday morning? He's ascended to the Father. And right now, if you just simply admit that you're a sinner... Confess your sins to Jesus. Repent and plead His forgiveness and ask Him to wash you in His blood. Then you too can be a child of God and partake of communion here at Victory this morning. Let's pray together. Father, I pray God for our congregation this morning. As their pastor, my heart yearns for everyone here to be in a right relationship with you. Father, if there's one here today that does not know you as their Savior... I pray that the Holy Spirit of God is fingered around in their heart. That right now they're ready to surrender to you. Maybe there's a Christian that's just rededicating their life to you. I pray right now, God, that we would confess our sins. Believe that you're the Son of God. Ask you to come into our heart and into our life. Trust you and you alone as our Savior. We love you, Lord. We thank you for what you've done. Redeem us through your blood. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you for joining us for this message from the Word of God. We know that the truth you have just heard will change your life if you believe it and intentionally apply it. If you need someone to pray with, or maybe you just want someone to talk to, please call us at 618-622-9360. That's 618-622-9360. Or you can email us at victory at victorychurchonline.net. If you're interested in obtaining more teaching materials, or if you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, please contact us. You can email or call, or send a request to 715 Lake Point Center, Suite 109, O'Fallon, Illinois. Come and check us out on the web at www.victorychurchonline.net. And again, we thank you and are glad you could join us.